Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us, it's all true, but another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is our new beginning, and it starts tonight. A new day is dawning for DX. So who you're talking to? Welcome everybody to X-Pac 12360. I'm your host Sean Waltman. And this week is our very special 10th anniversary of Wrestling Society X on MTV episode. Yeah. So, episode uh, 25. Yeah. Obviously, Christy Olsen is not here this week. She's on assignment. Yeah. And we'll talk about where she is right now uh, next week. Yeah. But uh, in, the, in the meantime... Right now, I want to thank Matt Seidel for joining us. Uh, Matt, are you there? Yeah, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no. Thank you, man. Um, I just, it's this past, I think it was this this past week, or maybe this, this month in general, was the 10th anniversary of uh, our Wrestling Society X, which, you know, it lasted one season, um, and it was sweet. Uh, and, you know, you and I, Matt, we... We did a uh, a backstage segment, you know, uh, with the with the fight uh, and that, and I'm pretty sure that that was leading up to uh, you and I facing each other in the second season. Oh man, you know that's so funny. I just now remember that promo that we did. Yeah, through the uh, awesome high kick, man. That would have been so fun to get that program off the ground and running. Uh, yeah. That was the cool thing about WSX, man, is they were really mixing it up, throwing. Um, a bunch of new ideas at the wall and trying to trying to make something happen. Yeah, and uh, Kevin Kleinrock's going to join us a little bit later, uh, and he's for everyone. Who? Never, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for a lot of people, ha- a lot of people haven't Matt, and that's the thing. And he's such a brilliant guy, and he was uh, he was the uh, the brains behind WSX. Um, yeah. And uh, can you tell us like how it how it all. Uh, turned out for you to to be brought in for a WSX? Yeah, you know, um, right when this WSX thing was forming, was right when I began with Dragon Gate wrestling in Japan. Right. And as the WSX thing was developing, we filmed the pilot um, maybe eight, nine months before we filmed the season. Yeah. So between the time we filmed the pilot and a few months later where we filmed the season, I spent that almost entire time wrestling for Dragon Gate in Japan, and I feel like I was really starting to gain a lot of momentum, and my skill set and my technique were just blossoming, and I was really uh, under that under the Dragon Gate 
style and wrestling five times a week. And just really, uh, that was around the time where I was able to not just work my regular job. Around then is the time that I quit my day job and just went all in with wrestling because I had been divided like uh, 50% of my life was dedicated towards wrestling. The other half was dedicated towards the Bills. And I just wasn't being successful in either of those because I was stretched too thin. And so WSX was one of the catalysts that allowed me to not even to quit my job and not look back and just move forward and be able to have the confidence to bet on myself because the guys in WSX were giving me the confidence telling me they're, they're willing to put their money on me, so I was willing to put my money in myself. Right, and the, the thing is, is um, and Klein, Kleinrock, he was so good. Uh, he's a visionary, and my such a visionary when it comes to all this, and he's got his finger on the pulse of what what like what the younger generation of people like, in my opinion. And and so it was you guys like uh, uh, Tyler Jack Evans. Tyler, Jack Evans, Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins. So like a lot of really young thoroughbred talent, such as yourself. Um, and and so, but you were talking about. Um, you know, the, the gap in between the pilot we shot, Matt, and then when we started the season. And so that was like eight months. You think you uh, you got a lot better in between the time we shot the pilot and the time we started filming the, season, the first season? Matt, I didn't just grow as an in-ring performer. I had a better costume. I had a better concept of everything. I saw wrestling better. Uh, being a part of Dragon Gate was real heavily influential on, on me. And when I found that style, I knew there was something. I mean, it just felt special, and I knew that's what I wanted to bring back to WSX. And I mean, like my costume, like the what I wore between the pilot and that second episode is really where I feel like I changed into the guy that I am. Like I, I, I crossed over a level that I've never looked back. You know, where I think I, I got to that level where I was at a world class level. And with WSX, we were getting to get in there with, uh, I was able to expand the, the knowledge of what goes on, not just in local wrestling or in the U.S. or Japan, but it was literally a full-on global thing. With guys, it was my first chance to work with guys from Mexico. I mean, I got to right. take it with Teddy Hart. You, I mean, it was, it was, it was, the, the great thing about WSX was that you had a lot of young wrestlers, but we were also surrounded by a lot of guys with experience and guys with experience that were willing to uh, work together and not with it really, there was not um, a selfish kind of interest. It seemed like WSX was set up as a surplus where we've got all, we've got a bunch of good guys and we're all going to work together to be a part of something special. And, you know, we're just, everybody was out there trying to make magic happen. And I think Kevin was one of those guys that was trying to tap into the guys and, and let them find their potential and let them find what, what works for them and, and give them a platform, give, give the guys a stage, you know, give the kids a playground swing set to play on at recess. You know, that's what we got. That's what was happening. Cool. Well, hey, so um, talking about working with Kevin behind the scenes, how much creative freedom did you have uh, back then when we were doing this? Uh, well, you know, I think um, there was plenty of room for me to make my character myself and i really wish i could have explored the the heel stuff deeper i mean i i feel i've spent um i've been wrestling since the year 2000 and never really i mean if you want to go back to my backyard days even before then and i have just basically been a perpetual babyface. 
Right. I enjoy that because I think it's the hardest challenge in wrestling. It is one of the most, I mean, it's got to be the most difficult thing to do if people like you because it's not a simple task. Um, and I would have really enjoyed doing a little bit more heel work. I would have really loved to see where we could have developed the character. Unfortunately, you know, in just a few episodes, I was basically just uh, starting to fall into whatever narrative it was going in. But it was cool. I got a chance to work with Lizzie Valentine and, and having um, extra people around ringside was great for me because it adds extra elements to the match. Yeah, Do you I liked mean, having yeah, a manager? Sorry about that. Go ahead, Jumbo. Did you like having her as your manager and like that element of like a high school jock and like the cheerleader kind of vibe? Yeah, I I mean I definitely did. I guess I just it's so hard for me to always try and orient a character to one phrase or one thing because it's just it's so easy to label things, but I think as soon as you label something simple and plainly it really takes away the the roundness of the character i mean there could there's there was a lot going on there i mean there was like we had sexual tension we had uh drama between the other people so while it was like kind of like that uh, heel the the jock kind of character i really felt like there, there there's a lot more substance than 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 just oh this guy's not you know he's a cocky heel it, it just uh i think the way WSX was going is I would have been able to show that there's a lot more than just, you know, uh, a, a guy with uh, overconfidence and a pretty girlfriend. It's that, that was, you know, that's an easy solution. Uh, and I think we were able, we weren't always looking for the most obvious thing. I think that's important in wrestling when you, there's a lot of things that are very obvious, but if they're obvious to you, they're obvious to everyone. And that's the easy play. It's always easy to take two, uh, two guys that are teammates and turn them against each other. That's the simple solution. The harder solution is thinking of more nuanced ways to do it and creative ways of developing storylines. And, like, I don't know, WSX certainly went out there and tried to do original things. I I was always a big fan of Piranha death matches, exploding ring barbed wire, death yes. matches, all that kind of madness. And I always felt it had a place on TV. I mean, for me as a kid, I know what connected me to wrestling when I was, you know, 12 to 16 to 18 years old. And I was... I thought WSX was offering that to people and they were, it was offering um, an art form that wasn't available on television. That's and right. I think that's what made uh, WSX special is it was letting a bunch of artists go out there and, and make their own art. And it was just open to interpretation. And, and Matt, uh, all of this happened uh, quite a while before you ever went to the WWE and got that Titan uh, uh, training. So, um, you know, can you talk about the difference uh, between working uh, W or WSX and then you know behind the scenes in WWE? Well, I mean, WSX. I think I, man, I was very much trying to figure it out on my own, and right. we were we were we were creating our own style and our own thing. We weren't. Well, I can only speak for myself, but I was not trying to be anything. I was not trying to be like anyone else. I was not trying to do what anyone else was doing. I was doing my own thing. I was creating content that I had in my head, and I was making it in the ring, and WSX was giving me an opportunity, an uninhibited opportunity, to create and manufacture my vision uh, for wrestling for other people. When I was working for WWE, I felt like I was trying to make someone else's vision happen instead of my own, yeah. and I think that's, that's where I became less true to myself, and I think it, you know, it showed in my work. I think it came off as, uh, a, more of a facade and less genuine. Sure. And I think, there, in, in, especially 
this wrestling in eras where we've got crazy characters and all these things, the most genuine, the more real, the most honest you can be as a wrestler and a performer, the more connection you're going to build with all the fans. And I felt like I had that opportunity to be honest and real and just put, put my work out there. Um, when I got to WWE, I just, a lot of people had troubles and roadblocks, but not me. I was gifted Chavo Guerrero as uh, a guy that I was basically married to on the road for the right. first year, and, and Tyson Kidd. So oh, I had two of the God. most proficient grapplers of all time working with me on a day-to-day basis. So I was able to satisfy like my creativity and my enjoyment and really kind of work on things that I wasn't as good at. Um, and, man, I just felt like I was in a... When I was in WWE, I felt like I was in medical school for wrestling where there was just the best brains, the wisest people, and they were all trying to help you get to where you wanted to go. But the thing is, is the only person who knows your vision is yourself. The only person who knows what you want is you. So for me, I, I always, uh, I think I had trouble finding what I wanted to put out there as opposed to doing things to please other people. Um, I feel like that was the one thing that I did too much of just uh, moving in a way where it didn't ruffle any feathers as opposed to just letting loose and letting it hang out, which is, how I, which is not just how I wrestle now, it's how I live my life. And back then, I just was uh, living in a lot more fear and uncertainty, and just uh, my confidence was much more shattered because I was just in a place where I didn't uh, feel like I was empowered at that time, or I just, even if I was getting that opportunity, I wasn't getting the message. And um, at WSX, the message was loud and clear consistently, even as a rookie signing the contract and kind of talking about things in, in... and get into the nitty-gritty details, I felt like I was always given a lot of respect. And, in fact, sometimes I thought they were almost tooting my own horn too loud to the point where I almost was, uh, I, I thought it was almost silly, but I was, it was, WSX was an opportunity that so many guys have been waiting for because television exposure is worth its weight in gold. Yes, and we were a generation without competition in professional wrestling outside of TNA, which was doing, what, 999 Wednesday pay-per-views at this time or maybe, you know, maybe they had just started to move to Orlando. They did. Um, they did. They didn't have a TV deal at the time. They were in between TV deals. That was what was going on with were them. They on Fox Sports at the time, or no? No, they lost Fox Sports at this time, and they they hadn't uh, they hadn't and been on, they, they weren't on Spike yet. So yeah, um, were, did TNA try to make a play for you at all? Right, right around that time, because I know they called me and tried to get me out from underneath uh, uh, the WSX thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, yes, yes, they did, um, and then they also did right before I went to WWE, and, you know, TNA's been constant, but I just, you know, I, I was there as a very, very, very young man, and uh, I got a lot of learning experience doing some great work on Explosion and Handicap yeah. Matches against this, and I, I, had a, I had a great experience with TNA, but I just didn't have any real impetus or drive to go there. There was nothing that, like... Um, I don't know. There were just there wasn't that big. I didn't feel like it was as big of a leap as taking a chance on WWE, and uh, that, you know that's that's what I went with, and I'm I'm very glad I made that choice. As far as like okay, a decision if, if uh, at that time choosing between going back to TNA again or you know uh, this WSX project, I was really excited about you know trying to create something new. 
not be a part of what somebody else created, you know? Uh, and that's how, and I was really excited about it, Matt. And, um, uh, you know, you just, it, it's just different, you know? And, and you would have been an integral part of, in, in the WSX uh, thing moving forward. So I can imagine you might feel in the same way. Yeah, man. I mean, there's nothing better than creating the content. Like, I, I understand people love watching wrestling and you love to quit. There's at a certain point, if you're just consuming content, it's a one-way street and you're literally just yes. slowly dying on the inside. But if you're you're using what, what you enjoy to watch, if you let that inspire you creatively to create your own stuff, for example, people who like wrestling don't always have to become wrestlers. You can do a Kevin Kleinrock thing. You can get into the video editing. You can you can manifest that kind of creativity, energy, and you can create stuff through wrestling. And I think um, that that potential to create originality, as opposed to trying to replicate or or do follow in a follow a, a path that's already been laid out, is just not as appealing to the the real creative the real creative people and the people who haven't been constrained by wrestling definitions and terms and like. My whole career, I I don't like using wrestling terminology. I don't like using wrestling language and verbiage. I think those are all misunderstood and misused words and terminology. Mm-hmm. I think people love to use, oh, he, and it, it, it's just, it really simplifies really uh, real explicit and individual things. And I think um, the more people rely on their own like internal feelings as opposed to like labeling it, oh, this is this part of a match, and like right, the, the analysis is great, but creation is better. And like, I, I guess that's the whole point I'm getting at is that the joy of WSX was making our own music. We were, yeah. we were making up our own songs and we went yes. out and sang them. And we, you know, it was just go out and it was okay to fail. Like going out there that's and right. taking risks and making mistakes was okay. And that's what makes good art, you know. At, because if you're a, if you're a comedian and you tell jokes, if you tell a bunch of good jokes and then a few bad jokes, they're all coming from the same place. So even if you miss, it's still okay because you're 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 aiming for the same place where the good ones come from. And I think every match in WSX, every guy who went out there went out there with the best intentions. They wanted to make magic, and you know sometimes we swung and missed, and sometimes we hit home runs, and sometimes it was just bizarre. But the the cool thing was guys were going out there and making their own things happen. Couldn't have put it better. I, the way you just put it is perfect, Matt. Perfect. So how close did you get to having your vision that you had in your head come out in WSX and on TV? Um, well, you know, that that's a great question, but I am... There's something about me that just is more live wrestling oriented like for me i i was it was cool to be on tv but that wasn't my end game i just wanted to make uh people jump up off their feet dur- during my match and, and get people to uh notice what i was doing and classify that as wrestling because there's these ancient stereotypes where we all know in cultures sociologically you're we we don't do stereotypes but for some reason, we still allow people to stereotype wrestling and pigeonhole wrestling. And so what I wanted to do was go out there and say, hey, this is pro wrestling, too. Look at me. This is what a pro wrestler looks like today. I know you may have a different image conjured up in your head of what wrestling is, but it's time for you to evolve and adapt a new definition, a new stereotype of wrestling in your head that looks more like what I'm doing today, not that stuff from the 80s. 
And I, I felt like what I presented, my vision was to throw my modern wrestling, what I, what I would have wanted to see when I was 16 in the ring at that moment. And so that, that was my vision. And yeah, I definitely, I definitely got there. Me, me and Jack Evans made magic happen in one night. And I mean, I still have people coming up to me every weekend at shows that I do all around the country, all around the world that bring up that match. I mean, that match was so pivotal in my career. I mean, if it hadn't been for that match, Molina would have never stole her finisher from me. The Miz would have never been able to steal his goal right in the corner from me. I mean, I, it was just, you know, it was just one of those moments where I, when I got a platform, we were able to jump out and I finished that match so long ago, I had forgotten about it, and I, I leave it behind when I'm done with the match. But all of a sudden, that match popped back up, and it had, like, such a residual effect. So one match, one eight minutes, has continuously been a factor in my career for the last ten years. Yeah. So i got to say thanks to Kleinrock and the WSX guys and Vamp. And, and, I mean, there was such a good crew of guys there, and all the production side, and just, and MCD for just taking a chance and throwing money at wrestling. That's what people should be doing. I mean, I don't know why Netflix is. I mean, I know Netflix is getting with your underground, but there's no reason they can't produce their own wrestling show or or wrestling in a different format, some kind of sitcom. I just think wrestling is such a cool art; it can be presented yes. and interpreted in different ways. And WSX was one cool possibility. You know, what The Rock's doing with uh, the new movie with Paige. That's another way of of sharing wrestling with everybody else. Because here, it, it all boils down to we're in this secret society of people who, who have felt something really special with wrestling. And we want to share the way we felt with other people. And there's no one way to do that. And you've got to collaborate with people and, and work through things and figure out what translates live and then what translates through a TV screen. And, uh, oh, man, sorry. How hard I, I'm is getting that? The booking, figuring I'm out getting the difference. call on the other line, guys. This is how popular I am. Just doing your show. <laughs> Instantaneously, my phone is ringing. People cannot stop trying to hit me up. That's what uh, it is, man. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry about that, guys. No, don't be sorry. Uh, it's it's good that uh, it's good that you're wanted, isn't it? <laughs> hey, no, I feel sad. So, 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 Matt. Obviously, um, I was going to ask you if you felt like you were able to fully express yourself in the ring in WSX, but I guess uh, I guess you just answered that for me. Yeah, and that was one of those things I didn't even have to think about it. I just did it. I wasn't like, oh, what you know. I didn't have like I. I just was it. I wasn't yeah. trying to be something. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just it. I it was just. It felt very organic, and it was exciting. And it was, I mean, it was just the the feeling of a young wrestler getting an opportunity, young, hungry, dedicated, just been grinding it out, grinding and grinding and grinding for years. I mean, WSX was 10 years ago, but it's not like I just started wrestling 10 years ago. I mean, right. I have been grinding out and working so hard. And when we smell that opportunity, man, it was electric. The, the locker room, like the one that was like kind of far from the stage, yes. but I mean, it was just, there was electricity in the air. Even back at the hotel room, guys were just excited about being a part of a project. We all wanted to believe we were all, we all believed in ourselves and our friends. And now we were ourselves and our friends were all a part of a, a product that we can be proud of. And it was just, man, it was, I, I can just remember getting out to LA and just the level of excitement never having been out there before. Ah. 
Oh yeah, I can imagine. Like I, I, I can totally imagine what you're saying right now. Like you getting off a plane, you're in L.A. and you're going to be a part of this show that on MTV, know, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we weren't we weren't uh, the the series wasn't greenlit yet, but oh. still, just being part of this pilot, you know, where they're they're sinking almost a, a million, just shy of a million dollars just into the pilot. So, yeah. but Matt, I could keep talking to you about this because you're, I mean, it's fascinating your take on all this, but, um, you know, uh, I won't, we won't keep any longer, man. Yeah. Thank you, you so, bookings. so much for joining. And, and hopefully we can get you back on the show again at some point in the and future. My, dude, I will chat with you anytime. Just give me a buzz, man. I'm over here at the rock climbing gym. I'm going to try and, uh, see if I can't get some super strong forearms and just be able <laughs> yeah. to do some incredible athletic things and really actually just hang out like a, it's, it's great. You know, uh, I'll trying to, trying to find alternative ways to take care of our bodies and just have fun with it. And then I just, uh, I appreciate all you do all. And you, you're not just a guy who's taking from the business. You always give back. And that's a great example to set for a lot of guys. Thanks, man. Uh, man, I just thank, thanks for getting me on and let's do this again. Anytime. Uh, definitely, man. Uh, have an awesome day, Matt. And thank you so much oh. for sharing your time with us, man. Hey, hey, one last thing, oh, yeah. because I am a selfish and a businessman. I will yeah. say on Instagram, I am at M-A-T-T-S-Y-D-A-L. I just launched new t-shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Matt Seidel. And I've got the new SSP here now t-shirts out. So if you guys could support me, I have had a rough past few months financially, personally, everything. So, you know, if y'all want to throw out a little a little favor for your brother, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, Absolutely. I wouldn't hate it if you picked up a T-shirt. Uh, definitely. And I apologize for not for not asking you what uh, about all your social media stuff yeah, and where, all that. Where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, uh, oh, uh, on Twitter, my I still have this handle that says at find Evan. But if you put Matt Seidel, like, I think it pops up, too. So. I used but to. Yeah, man, just and anybody wants to connect with me, hit me up, man. I'm all, I'm, uh. Uh, you know, I do the best I can to connect with people and share my experiences with everybody. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. And we're going to take a break right now. And uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by Kevin Kleinrock, the creator of WSX. And I think we're going to have Scorpio Sky. Dave Marquez is going to be here. Chris Kloss. Chris Kloss. Some guys that, you know, guys that were there for the original WSX. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back, everyone. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Today's special guest first turned his childhood love of pro wrestling into profit by organizing charity fundraiser matches for his fraternity. That led to work in the indies where he quickly rose from timekeeper to producer to then co-creating his own wrestling show on MTV. A gritty, hard-hitting half hour of matches mixed with explosions, edgy personas, and punk rock bands. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the X. Pac 12360 WSX anniversary special. Please welcome the mastermind behind it all, Kevin Kleinrock. Yeah. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Is that the first time you've ever gotten a pop when somebody announced your name? 
Uh, it definitely uh, it doesn't happen very often. So thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us, man. We needed you here for this. How the hell? Awesome. How do we do this without having you? Come on. Well, I, it, it's been really cool to to see. I, I mean, we obviously knew the 10th anniversary was coming yeah. up, but having uh, some mainstream sites and, and different things reach out uh, about it, I, it actually took me by surprise that, that so many people were keeping track and, and keen right. on it being the 10-year anniversary. So that was really cool. Hey, Kevin, I, sorry, but um, Christy's the one that usually handles all the, uh, you know, the details here. So I forgot to mention, I don't know if you can see or not, but sitting right next to me, we have Scorpio Sky. Hello. Next to, him, next to him, we have our WSX uh, commentator, Chris Kloss. Chris. Sir. And all the way on the other end of the table here, Dave, what did Dave Marquez do? What the hell did he do the whole time? Well, we, tried to, let, <laughs> we a, tried to have him teach people how to direct pro wrestling, how to make things look like wrestling. Uh Mostly, I think he pulled out his hair and muttered under his breath, yes. I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. Actually, David, Dave did a great job. It's just, um, uh, I did my part in, in uh, making him pull his hair out. And, and I'm, sure, I'm sure you lost a little bit, too. It was mainly, it was mainly directed towards, towards the MTV folks. I wanted to make their lives miserable. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and the thing is, I felt like, you know, the, the producers that we worked with directly who were directly responsible for the show, um, they understood what we were trying to do. But really, you know, the, the demands from up top, um, you know, were basically to make this as unwrestling of a show as possible. And and it showed when, you know, the final product came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the stuff that, that you could do something about, I thought was great. And uh, um I want to like I want to talk about how you decided on what talent you were going to pick, because what an amazing bunch of young talent mm-hmm. like that. Like I didn't even re- I didn't even realize like looking back. I guess because I mean I was at a different place in my life at the time too. But like I forgot that Seth Rollins was there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How the hell do you I mean, forget that? Well, a lot of people, there's a lot of people who, as we started talking about the 10th anniversary and showing clips and photos, people are like, wait a minute, that was Seth Rollins? Like, not even Seth Rollins was there, but like people who had watched the show, or, you know, like you, uh, who were there were like, I totally forgot that he was there. That was before he was even on TV for Ring of Honor. Right. I mean, this was directly out of the Indies, no, no real national or international exposure. And to me, looking back at, you know, as negative as a lot of the memories of Wrestling Society X and what that final product were, you know, are, I think that one of the things that I'm most proud of and that, and that I think is remembered fondly is that roster that we put together and yes. the, the sheer amount of talent that was part of the show. Even if the matches were three minutes and crazy and when they finally saw them on TV, it was like high spot, crowd shot, high spot, crowd shot. The mm-hmm. talent was there, you know? Sure. And I was fine. And I, I thought... Like I was just personally just fine with the shorter matches, you know, and I, I just I don't know if it's just because of the whole ADD uh, hmm. culture that we have now, but I I don't mind it. Like I like a long match too when it's done properly, but you know if it's you know if it's if it's going to be a long boring match, like I'd rather just have a short one. Well, yeah. and I think that there's a difference, though. There's a difference between telling guys, go to the ring and work a three-minute match or a four-minute match. I mean, that's what happens on Raw every week. The difference is we went out there and we shot, let's say, a five- to seven-minute or eight-minute match. And then when we got to post, it was 
no kicking, cut out all the kicking, Hmm. no punching, cut out all the punching. We basically want it to be high spot, literally high spot, high spot, high spot, nothing that resembled a rest hold, no transition holds. So the way that we had to edit the show, it was give them a spot, use a B-roll crowd shot, go to another, you know, and, and it really made that show feel a lot less good on the wrestling side than it could have. I, I'm really hopeful that one day, maybe this year, maybe in a few years, those master tapes of the matches before we had to edit it for TV come out because I think people would see a very different show. Yeah, I remember that. I remember coming to where you guys were editing uh yeah. Uh, then I think it was the pilot still, but it was just, I remember you were having, um, it was a nightmare for you guys. <laughs> it was, you know, and, and I think part of it too was, you know, once we, once we realized exactly what we were up against in terms yeah. of how the network wanted the show presented, we were, we basically were faced with fight the network and lose every battle or just embrace it. Yeah. And by embracing it, we got things like the blinged out ladder that people still talk about where, you know, <laughs> there was there were sequins and jewels on it. But then we added extra effects and, you know, CG effects in. And it's like sure. if we were going to have to be this this completely over the top crazy show, then why not go for it all? You know, the electrocution and the, and the wet cement thing were my two favorites. <laughs> yeah, people always remember the, uh, the wet cement. What about they remember the electrocutions. Scorpio, what about you, man? What was your favorite? Uh memory of I can remember probably Sky's least favorite memory. <laughs> oh yeah let's talk about that uh well my my least favorite memory I'd have to say would be the final episode okay and uh the scene was going to be like Vampiro had just lost the title and I was doing an interview backstage, and he interrupts, and I spout my mouth off to him. And he cracks me, starts beating me up all the way to the ring. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to do the Ric Flair thing where I end up in my boxers yeah. and he's beating me up. You know, so I went out and I bought these little, tiny, little boxer briefs that I thought would be funny. And, and I remember asking Joey, I said, should I stuff, man? You know, I want to get the, you know, the HBK big package. Yes. You know what I mean? So I was like, so I put, this, I put a sock inside of another sock. And you then, don't ask something like that. You just do it, man. You just yeah. do that. So here's where it went wrong. We start doing the scene. He's beating me up, rips the shirt off, shoes fly off, yada, yada, yada. We get to the last part. I dive in the ring. He grabs my pants, rips them off. The underwear comes with yes! it. So, <laughs> yes. so, so we're shooting for MTV. I'm in the middle of the ring in front of hundreds of people wearing three socks. Hundreds, of paid, hundreds of paid extras that aren't even wrestling fans, right, by the way. Right. Just did, they probably oh. like that part. So <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> did you at least have a little blood in it? <laughs> I hope so, man. There were some beautiful ladies in the crowd. There was. Mm-hmm. There was, oh, actually. Jesus. I knew it. When, as soon as you mentioned the underwear, I knew it. I knew yeah. that story was going to end up like that. Oh. Was that the one you were thinking of, Kevin? That was what I was thinking. But yeah. I do want to hear what his favorite memories were, yes. for sure. Honestly, I, I have to say, like, a, a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, like we we stayed it was like Beverly Hills this mm-hmm. amazing it was on the Sunset Strip I think it was the Grafton the Grafton the Grafton I remember being at the bar and uh, the bar at the at the hotel and Lindsay Lohan was there and Leonardo <laughs> oh, yeah. DiCaprio was there and a Derek Jeter pulled up and <laughs> it was just like this special thing I'll tell you how I knew I didn't belong though because we <laughs> because we would valet park. And oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we'd go out and we were going to go to the show one day and I give him my ticket to get in my car and I'm waiting. And a Bentley pulls around. Somebody, that's me. They get in the car. They go off. A Ferrari. A Porsche. That's me. That's me. That's me. And for me, 
a Ford Focus pulls around, <laughs> yeah, which is a nice car. Yeah, it is. You know, I didn't have no money. I drive. It was a nice car. It was a 2005. This was an 06, so it was pretty. But not compared to a Bentley. Here's where it gets worse, though. It comes around on a flat tire. No! It's just like the most embarrassing. I was talking to a girl at the time, too, and she's seen all these Bentleys and Ferrari, and then my Ford Focus with a flat tire. That's was... where you put the heat on the, the valet. <laughs> yeah. What'd you do to my car, bro? Why in the ass did you do to my car? This was a Tesla when I gave it yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even exist yet. Right. <laughs> I love that hotel. I just remember Vamp coming in one like to the TV, like one of the tapings, and going, oh, "The manager came at three o'clock in the morning and called me and said no smoking pot." I'm like, "You're so full of crap, Vamp." Freaking manager wasn't even there at three o'clock. Well, and I had I had a I was talking to someone the other day, and they they were like. You know, what was the talent's reaction to tapings? And I said, nobody really cared about how crazy it was. I mean, some people had their opinions, but this was the first time most of them had been paid really well to Mm -hmm. wrestle. They got a nice hotel. They got professional catering. You know, we're lucky at most independent shows to have a case of water backstage, you know, and and this is this is a Hollywood production. It was the first time everybody pretty much except for probably Vamp, you, Sean, and maybe Banderas had been in that kind of an environment, the, the wrestlers that were on the show. Right. Yeah. I Speaking of money, oh, my God, I hit you guys hard for money. <laughs> you guys paid me huge for that. Oh, my yeah, God. But, uh, you know, so, so, here's, so here's the interesting thing, though, right? It was and worth this it, is though, what right? I learned about TV production was this wasn't your normal – uh, type of thing where you were hitting it and it was coming out of my pocket right. or Houston's mm-hmm. pocket. That's why I we, hit you. We as a production company were making 10% of the budget. So the more you asked for, the more we were happy to go to bat for because it only put more money in our pockets yes. too. So it worked out well for everybody. Huh. Yeah, I don't want... Do you remember what I had to do with the check before I cashed it? I'm not going to talk about it on air, but... <laughs> I, you know, it's been a long time, but I do remember now yeah. that there was. You know, and this was the other thing. It's like a lot of. They tried to take guys, taxes out. Well, yeah, oh, no. I had so, a, on a ring rental, they taxed me. Yeah. And we, we, had told, we had told everybody up front look, this is a television show. There, unless you form your own corporation, there's going to be taxes taken right. out. And, you know, everybody really kind of blew it off. And then they got those, those checks with like, you know, 40 to 50% out of their. Uh, paychecks and and so yeah we people had to kind of move this way or that way to try to deal with that (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna talk about what it actually was that i did but i'm not (laughs) (laughs) now i'm curious no i'll tell you off air all right (laughs) oh god man so you know like and scorpio was uh was talking about uh some of the behind the scenes stuff and do you guys remember new jack oh yeah and but that remember? was only for the pilot because after that they didn't want him back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, do you remember? Do you remember the guy with the purple suit? That oh yeah, purple suit the blue, guy. It the was crack the dealer. Suit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a blue suit. It blue was it blue? Suit. I thought it was purple, but it was way. blue, like blueberry blue. Yes. <laughs> and it was like a hundred and ten degrees out, and and uh, New Jack made this. I I'm a, like we just called him the crack dealer. I yeah. don't know what the guy was. <laughs> But I'm assuming it was something like that. And I wish we had New Jack on here to tell because he's the master storyteller of this stuff. But he made that guy sit in the hot sun just baking in this freaking blue suit all day. <laughs> what, what he always told me the story was, was that this guy had come around the night before. 
And he was kind of like a, a mark, and he was, uh, you know, but also obviously had another enterprise on the side, whatever <laughs> yes. that enterprise was. And he had basically told the guy, look, if you come back tomorrow in a blue suit, I'll take you with me to set. Not thinking this guy was going to be able to go out and find a blue suit. The guy shows up the next morning. He's wearing a blue suit. Jack's like, ugh. I guess I gotta, you know, I gotta be true to my word. I'm gonna bring him to set. So that was one of like three strikes, uh, or three things that, that worried the uh, the MTV executives what about. What were the Jack. other two? Yeah. Was that? What were the other two? Uh, so one was, so we did a promo with him and Hamrick where he whips out this like ginormous knife. Oh yeah, that's and starts stabbing this water bottle, which was a tremendous visual. Right. Uh, we never ended up being able to use the full scene because we couldn't show a knife on MTV. Uh, but I think they just felt like he was a little bit maybe less stable than they wanted to have someone <laughs> under contract for. And then the other was just that he was like buck naked getting changed as they were bringing in the extras. And oh, they were nice. like, this is this is not a good thing. <laughs> but what were they expecting is what I want to know. I don't I don't understand what they what they thought they were going to get. Yeah, I mean, we did sell them on him as who he was as right. part of the reason to bring him in, you know, so. Jeez. Mm. He'll so, be Denzel's uh, best friend. He just won't be Denzel. So we, <laughs> hey, so Chris Kloss is, is uh, sitting here, and uh, it, it, makes me, it makes me think about uh, the announcing duties and how Chris, and it was Brett Ernst that was, that was doing commentary Correct. with you. Yeah. And, and I see him on some other, like, some comedy stuff here and there after that but um, the thing is a lot of the people that aren't familiar with WSX is every week there was a different musical act and usually the front man would sit in on color commentary we were talking about things we didn't like about the show right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no that that was well, you know it, uh, first off uh, one of the things I, Kevin and I go back uh, long before WSX him and I Worked in XPW. XPW. And, I, uh, I had a cup of coffee there. Yeah. And maybe some other the, things. Former television champion. <laughs> uh, Me too. Before that, though, him and I went back to uh, indie shows here in Southern California, SCCW and all that. So so working... Wait, 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 wait. Real quick. Even before that, the very first time I ever went to an independent wrestling show when I was probably 14, 15 years old, the, you know how at independent shows, especially the small ones in front of like maybe 30, 40 people, there's always that one really obnoxious guy in the crowd <laughs> that's just yelling at every wrestler and, and really wants to be part of the show? Yes, I have, a, I have a hard time believing that was you. No, that was Chris Kloss. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, back to WSX. Uh, <laughs> no, we do. We go back a long way. So when we had this opportunity to, to work on MTV and do this show, that was one of my just just favorite aspects of the show, being able to uh, do what Kevin and I have been doing for so long and finally have this platform uh, to showcase this. And not not to mention all the all the talent that I was able to call matches for, which was a tremendous privilege uh, and honor. Like you said, Seth Rollins was there. Then, of course, after, uh, before that, you had guys like Matt Seidel, uh, a.k.a. WWE, you know, he, him and a few others, Teddy Hart, yourself, uh, a lot of them. But, you know, I remember going into the Burbank offices where we did the editing. Yes. And uh, right across the street from The Tonight Show. We were right there. And uh, I just remember the frustrating part was, again, going back to MTV's involvement 
And I felt like the writing was on the wall when I first saw, oh, we're going to change the logo. And, and the first thing they wanted to do with the logo was take the word wrestling out of the logo. But what they did was they shrunk the word wrestling. It was wrestling society X. And I just remember, you know, this, this is the, the beginning of the end of them kind of taking the wrestling aspect out of the show. Uh, not to mention there was there was so we had so many cool ads for this show. We had these little. 10-second vignettes of you right. doing something, okay, WSX is coming. We had Teddy Hart doing something, WSX is coming. All the stars were lined up. Literally, the, the wrestling stars were showcased, and virtually none of these spots aired. None of and them aired. None of them aired, and, and these these were all in the can. They were ready to go, and they looked beautiful. And uh, so I remember that that was the, the frustrating part for from our vantage point is we just re- were really powerless at that point with MTV controlling everything. So it was just so bittersweet when this whole thing was going on because we had, again, this platform to showcase everything, to showcase you guys, your talents. And um, But again, it was just this this back and forth teeter-totter of, oh, this is awesome, like, man, this is frustrating. So there there was a lot of um, back and forths going on. Yeah. Know, throughout the- and, and, and as far as, like, bell to bell, uh, it, I, I can only imagine it just made it almost impossible to, to call a, a match like you know can like you would normally call a match. True, and and a lot of it was done in post, and, yes. and it just had to be because um, especially when you cut up the match like that, cut up the TV match where it's like high spot uh, crowd shot, high spot crowd oh, shot. Oh yeah, well, and you know one of the differences between this show and any other show is in you know, a normal wrestling show, even if you're doing it in post, whether it's you know a SmackDown when it wasn't live or TNA. You spend maybe one week putting together the episode. Well, here, every half-hour episode had five weeks in post. There'd be a cut. It'd go back to the network. There'd be a cut. It'd go back to the network. There'd be notes. And so we were redoing commentary to fit cuts over and over and over again. I mean, it was basically a full-time job for, for Chris for you know a number of months. And just to add to that, uh, speaking of post, they, they had to keep – a good amount of what the mus- musicians were saying, so so a lot of a lot of the match was like half of it was the musicians chiming in. So we only had about fifty percent right. of that match to fix, or or to even tell that story as it was supposed to have been told. Uh, so it was it was just it never done anything like that before, after, or since. You know. Well, and, and two sometimes you know. I would get into arguments or debates about certain lines that musicians had. I mean, I still remember there's a line from the pilot uh, that uh, Zach Wilde says where he basically compares Matt Seidel and Jack Evans to a fight he saw between, like, right. two nuns. Or, yeah, totally. Or, I remember that. And, and it always rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, this is the first match of the series. We're trying to put over this style of wrestling, like something you've never seen before. It's the future of wrestling. It's really cool to watch. And I just I, that line bugged me, but other people love that line because oh, it was funny and it's acting funny and it's like. Uh, and I how just, many total sound bites did you get from them anyhow? That like I mean, when you have only so many to choose from, like you know. Well, that that is true. That is definitely true. We you know we had to we definitely the whole show was was you know was Franken bit all over yes. the place. It was like we'll take a line from here, we'll take it here. The other thing, not to get off track, but we it's had okay, to I go and make sound effects. So MTV wanted to use traditional sound effects when people got kicked or hit. And I was like, you're not putting sound effects on the show. 
So you uh, mean like Batman, yeah, like Batman sound yeah. effects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, so what so we had to do, uh, I don't know if you ever met, I'm pretty sure you met him, uh, but this guy, Devin, who worked with us, uh, Devin and I went into the studio and we smacked the shit out of ourselves and each oh. other making like super kick sounds and punching sounds and those sounds got edited in. But I, I, they had to be real sounds. I wasn't going to let it be, you know, like when, you remember like when WCW did that episode of Baywatch and like Hogan and a couple other people and they did like Bash the Beach or something. Yes. It sticks to me to that, to this day. You mean that cheesy vignette? First... You mean that cheesy vignette on the beach with Vader and like uh, in the sharks no, 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 no. and all that? <laughs> That's so awesome. You know, that's a whole nother story. But, so, there was an episode of Baywatch that they shot some, some of a, a segment at at WCW. And I remember that was like the first time I really had seen a wrestling match where it was a real wrestling match, just like you'd see on Monday Nitro, uh, okay, but with saying. sound effects, yeah. and yes. it just bugged me so much. And I was like, "There's no way we're gonna, we can't, <laughs> absolutely can't do that." Like there are certain things I, you know, I can give in on, and we'll pick our battles. But so we went in there and we we made real sounds that could then be inserted to make the sounds be louder. And uh, so <laughs> it, it just sounds like there were so many hills you could have died on when it came to uh, dealing with those people. It's like hard to pick which one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there there are certain things that we just we had to had to take a stand on, and other things where, you know, it, it wasn't going to go our way anyway, or we had to pick the things that made the biggest sense to to fight for. So what? Um, since we're since we're on the subject of the musical acts, well, which, didn't they what, make you take the sound effect at a New Jack's guitar shot? Yes, they they that that Why was that? that was a real guitar shot and a real sound, and it sounded awesome, and it was. Not even, not even substituted with anything else. It was just muted. It was, yeah, it was completely I mean, muted. The, the, the guitar shot thing. It, so much of it was we we can't do anything that kids can easily do at home and replicate. So you have to go above and beyond. So no kicking, no punching, no kendo sticks, no steel chairs. But you can blow someone up. <laughs> I, I don't know how we got away with thumbtacks because you know kids can't get thumbtacks at home. How you know how could or they ladders. do that? Uh, but we weren't gonna like you know point that at, you know hey, okay you guys are approving thumbtacks on the list let's you know let's go forward with that. So and that was only one time in, in one match. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, some of the rules you know. And then there's the famous fireball incident. Oh, yes. a lot let's of talk people, about that. Well, you know, a lot of people still think to this day, because that was the spin put on it at first, that the fireball incident is what took the show off the air. And that's not true at all. What would it happen? Actually, you know what, Marquez, do you want to tell this story? Because you were directly involved with yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> so we put the flash paper out, <clears throat> had it all drying out. And Don't everything. give away the trade secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but so we had it out and... I, I went up to Ricky and I said, here's the paper. Yes. But in case you drop it or lose it with the lighter, here's the package. Oh, God. Okay. So, so <laughs> now a normal fireball, two to three sheets yes. of paper. And that's what I gave him. Mm. But Banderas lit the whole damn the whole thing. thing. Oh. And so I'm standing off camera when it happens. Like, I think if you watch the thing, I'm the first suit that runs in and Vamp's face is on fire. Yes, and, and so that, we grabbed the fire extinguisher, right? I mean, we like blew and put them out, but yeah, it was bad. So, yeah, and, and I mean, so, his hair you know, burned. I remember his everything right? burned. Yeah. It was bad. His hair got burned, and his face had a little a little singeing 
to it's it. Good for the business. And then the ass that I am, I'm I'm thinking production. I'm like, man, how are we going to match this if we have to go back and edit it? And he doesn't have any. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have any hair. He doesn't have any skin. And, and so you know, MTV because of you know the history of fire and Beavis and Butthead and kids doing dumb things with fire. They decided, you know, we absolutely can't show that. And we were fine not showing it. We were like, let's put a, let's go old, old school wrestling. Yep. Let's put a big X over it and not show it, you know, mm-hmm. or a big blue dot or whatever. And they were like, nope, you need to make it look like it's uh, some sort of effect. You need to make it look like it's something different. So in the end, we'd given them a bunch of choices. And they chose this one that looked like this, like, Klingon death ray. And it was, like, it, it was just so ridiculous. And then there was a sound effect that was put on yeah. it. Oh, that's right. And But what happened oh, was, shit. this is at the time where everything's changing, and they're not sure what they're going to do with that block of shows that we're in, and they're not sure what they're going to do with our show. So there was a week where they didn't air the show, and the – what the message that went out there at the time was, you know, oh, there was a you know a spot and needed to be edited. That was basically just uh, this cover mm-hmm. because nobody knew what was going on. Not even our executives knew what was going on with the show. Um, and but somehow that kind of became the urban legend of that fireball spot is what you know, was it. was the death nail for the uh, for the show, and that wasn't it at all. You know, I, I was going to mention. Uh, let's also talk about the fact that. The ratings, when the numbers came in, the, it was it was kind of odd because our show was to premiere on Tuesday nights, and MTV put us right up against WWE's ECW show. However, we were pre-aired Sundays, right? So so the the audience got to see our it show was a preview Sunday. However, the ratings and the numbers really mattered for Tuesday. So not only were we going up against WWE, but it was a rerun. Mm. And, and it was so there were so many factors, and again, that the promotional machine just wasn't there with MTV. And Kevin, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't at the point of the inception of the show and you pitching it, wasn't at this point in time MTV wanting to get back to their male audience, getting back to the jackass audience, and then that kind of switched mid season, and therefore they kind of they really dropped uh, promoting us type of thing. Well, I mean. That's certainly partially what happened. I mean, the the show was signed because they wanted to create a block that was going to be the guy block because no guys were watching MTV anymore. They wanted a show where the girls that were watching MTV could be like, hey, you know, look at this. You might like this to their boyfriends and and things like that. Um, And so it was us. It was like a road rules, real world, something challenge. It was a Bam Margera show. And there was like one other show and they were all kind of like guy shows. Um, And I still think that to this day, what happened was MTV second guest even having wrestling period. And nobody at the network really wanted to stick out their neck Mm -hmm. to promote and push the wrestling show in case their audience didn't want it. Um, And so it got no support even going into it. Like you said, we made all these like 15 second previews that ended up being great on MySpace, uh, but (laughs) they never aired on the network. And the show itself got a little bit of promotion going into the first week. But after the first week, when the numbers came in for the first week, every single show in that block did below expectations except for our show. Now, our show's expectation was lower than all the other shows, but we hit our expectation. 
Didn't we get like a point three or something along those no, lines? No, it was a 1.0 the first week. Yeah. Oh, wow. it, 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 went, it went down as it went. But what happened was the next week they decided, okay, we're going to put every single moment of advertising and promotion into the first show in the block. <laughs> right. And right. then hopefully people will stick around and watch the rest of the block. So after that first week, we literally, I don't think, got a single commercial or a single push, even mm. on MTV. No. I mean, me, in my naive heart, was like, oh, well, Spike is owned by Viacom, and they have TNA, so maybe we can get some cross-channel you know, commercials where they'd run. It wasn't even that. We couldn't even get advertising on MTV itself uh, for the show. Yeah, I remember that. Ugh. You know, I, I was um, so one more thing. Yeah. I, I was watching. Yeah. I don't know if you guys caught the XFL Thirty for Thirty. The, I didn't see yeah. it. Okay. It was very good. You know, okay. it, it's it's crazy how to me uh, they almost they they really parallel each other. They both lasted mm-hmm. one season. They were both owned half by Big Vision and MTV, and then Vince McMahon and NBC. And I and and it was one season. They had a big big huge lead in the beginning, and then a total drop off. The only difference was NBC promoted the hell. Out yes. of the XFL and MTV yeah. did no promotions whatsoever for us. Well, Dick Ebersol was behind. Was you know, was a big driving force behind XFL. Right. I don't think there was a Dick Ebersol of uh, of MTV behind us. Hmm. No, and, and I mean it's a difference that you see nowadays with the the relationship between Lucha Underground and El Rey. You know, uh, there might not be a lot of people watching Lucha Underground because it's a small network. But that network supports the hell out of that show. You can't yes. watch an hour or two hours of El Rey without seeing promotion for the show. And that's, you know, that's a huge difference uh, with a, you know, a co-owned by a network show. They're the only ones really to do it since us. And even that's a little different because Wrestling Society X was 100% funded by the network. So they got all the say. They got all the control. There was very little we could do when they're putting $3.5 million into this project. It's all them. Um, you know, but to have even a fraction of the support that El Rey gives to Lucha Underground would have been amazing on MTV. Hey, um, speaking of Lucha Underground, can we like talk about? I mean, uh, am I just the only one that no, sees no, the similarities no. between no. WSX <laughs> and, and Lucha Underground the here? And the Temple. Bagel Bites and Quiznos. Yep. So many things to <laughs> Quiznos, I forgot about that. Kevin? The sandwich of the men. Let's talk about the elephant in the bunker here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I have a contentious relationship. Look, here's the thing that I say, right? When, when, when uh, Lucha Underground started, all, all these people were making comparisons. And, and I believe that there was a media day. And somebody even asked, you know, what do you guys think about the, the comparisons between Wrestling Society X and and Lucha Underground, and, and one of the executives that responded basically just said, well, Wrestling Society X wasn't supported by the network, and you know our show is. Great way to beat around the bush. Uh, it, it, my thing is this. One, everyone at Lucha Underground could deny that they had any knowledge or you know found any influence in, in uh, Wrestling Society X. However, that would be, be silly. Well, very. Well, that's what I've heard. But I know that the you know the the company that originally created the story world of Lucha Underground uh, and and did an amazing job in creating the story world, they had a copy of Wrestling Society X because I personally gave it to them when I was talking with them and having discussions with them before Lucha Underground was even called Lucha Underground. Um, but the way I look at it is this: if anything, if nothing more, when you have a Mark Burnett and a Robert Rodriguez behind this idea, 
it tells me we were doing something right. <laughs> and if sure. we had had the right support, we could have actually made something that we had wanted to do and built this thing because those guys kind of know what they're doing. Uh, and so it would have been nice to have support when there were so many similarities between those two worlds. I can think of a few. Uh, well, just the fact that Vamp is there and and uh, and uh, Ricky Banderas, who was Macias with us, and he's uh, Mil Muertes there, correct? Yeah, I mean, Solo, Joey Ryan, yes. uh, and they, the whole. How about the the the, tomb, the casket with the you know exploding casket? They did that, correct? Or no? I, theirs didn't explode. They just had they had a casket match, which you know, I mean, like we weren't the first ones to do a casket. No, but I mean, come on. All just the whole said. looking at wrestling from a different way. It, they don't not doing wrestling the way WWE does it sure. or the way WCW did. Like yeah. you can see the similarities Shooting there. It like yeah, a that's TV all I'm saying. Show like a TV like a show. Oh, look, and yeah. I mean, like, there as a product, I can't knock Lucha Underground. The, the cinematic style that they brought is so different, so good. We, you know, we didn't even have just even the the signature Mark Burnett. Uh, you know, uh, helicopter shots of the city and the things that they do like that. I mean, that was, you know, we were never going to have that in Wrestling Society X. But certainly the, the whole underground gritty feel, uh, the fact that they're in this, you know, this, this, this temple, which is kind of like the bunker, the fact that, it, you know, it was presented in a different way, the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of the roster is the same the, or was similar, the, there's music, uh, the music acts uh, yeah, at the top of the shows was you know, definitely something that, that we were the first to do. So absolutely, you know, a lot of similarities between the two products. Incidentally, there's another correlation to the XFL, how the NFL stole their production aspects yeah. of the That's game. True. And there, here you go again. Yeah. So once I, again, you know. I, I didn't see the, the 30 for 30 on XFL, but I knew from, from back when it was going on that that uh, the NFL uh, took a lot of uh, the production uh, techniques that, that – uh, XFL developed. And they did touch on that on the 30 for 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean that camera that 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 okay. uh, hangs above the stadiums on, on this on the on the wires. That's a WWE yep. uh, invention. So to go back to the fireball because you had to make it so cartoony because MTV wanted that way. Were you like, well, let's make everything cartoony and we'll have ridiculous explosions and we'll make the ladder bling well, and all that. So well, here was something else that I heard the other day. Somebody had said something to the effect of all of the explosions were CGI. That's not true. They were amped mm-hmm. up by CGI, but we had a pyrotechnician who had worked with us in XPW and had done our exploding matches in XPW. And so everything that exploded really exploded with pyrotechnics in that building, in that studio. Uh, and then it was just kind of amped up in post, like – same with like when Vic Grimes would hit the corner or hit the ring and, and everything would shake for Vic or, uh, you know, like I said, the blinged out ladder. Uh, and there were just certain other production aspects where we would, uh, you know, we would just go screw it. You know, if we're going to be over the top, let's let's go over the top. And and a lot of that did come from the editors themselves having some freedom. Uh, the blinged out ladder. It was something that one of the editors named Derek did and brought me in and was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I was like, man. That is so over the top and cheesy. I don't know if we can. You know what? Screw it. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's go for it. Uh, you know, so things like that. Um, a lot of the, the editors kind of played around with on their own. How much do all those explosions cost? Like every time Brian Katz would intro, like with like a bag and all right. those pyro. How much does that cost for every you know, episode? 
I honestly don't remember specifically. It, the, 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 the pyro for the intros, which is just these flash pots, that wasn't really that expensive. Um, it was the, the every other episode, the kind of the big explosions that we did. Um, but, you know, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but between, between the actual pyro and the staff, um, the pyrotechnicians that we had to use, you know, it, it definitely could have added 100000 to the budget you know, which was the three and a half million dollars. So I'm sure that there was there was definitely a, a pretty unimaginable line for pyro, but like the catering line was probably like 20 to 30,000 alone too. So, you know. Mm. Hey, I'm just thinking as you're talking here, um, there was a, a huge issue just as far as uh, me personally, uh, MTV wanting us to be there at whatever. It was like 7.30. The, the crack of dawn. Yep. To get in there and rehearse matches. Oh, that was tough. Well, so that was for the pilot. Remember, so so the pilot. No, it was for the series yeah, no, too, it, man. It was, it was for the, the show thing, too. Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> guess who wasn't about to do it? Well, I guess, this you know, guy well, I guess right here. What I'm remembering from the pilot was, and I still have this somewhere. When we did the pilot, they had hired a director who had an Emmy <laughs> for a talk show on the Soapnet. Yeah. Uh, and he was used to shooting traditional television. Yeah. So he wanted the guys to go in the ring, walk through their entire match. He wrote down, okay, now this guy's going to go to this corner, and this guy's going to yeah. go to that corner. <laughs> and he wrote down which cameras he wanted to have coverage on. And we're like, it's not going to work that way. As soon as this goes live, these guys aren't going to do exactly move for move. That's not how wrestling works. You know, we can tell you some of the things that are going to happen. We can tell you approximately when they're going to happen. We can tell you what to look out for that's going to lead to the pinfall. But, you know, we can't tell you move for move, second for second. It's not blocked like a traditional movie. He insisted, we're going to do this. We're going to write this down. Yeah. And Dave, Dave was in the truck next to him. Tell me exactly how long you think it was when he like chucked the book aside and was like, well, screw it. I can't work like this. Uh, I want to say after Smiley did the ring introductions. Um, <laughs> so originally, like you asked in the beginning, what did I do? Yes. So I was like the liaison. I was being a smart yeah, I know, I know. But, but I was, uh, so for the people, uh, I was like a liaison between broadcasting and wrestling. Right. So understanding both. And I was, I think, fortunate or unfortunately, I was along the way almost from the very beginning because Kevin and I virtually shared an office at Big Vision. I was officing out of there. So I saw everything from logo inceptions to we're going to do this to Kevin saying, hey, what about this idea? Me being traditional wrestling guy, I was like, why? <laughs> why would you want to do that? Um, it did seem like you were kind of a, I was a weird mix I was, just in general I was, for WSS. Yeah, I, yeah for me being there, yes. Absolutely. So coming from Gordon Soley, Harley right, Race exactly. into that environment, it just totally didn't work for me. You sold out, Dave. So sold out. <laughs> I wish. Um, but at any rate, uh, originally Kevin wanted me because I'm a multi-camera director. Right. That's what I do. So Kevin wanted me to direct direct the show. All throughout going into the pilot, I was planning to be the director. And so I knew what the matches were. I knew what the format was. And we formatted it like traditional TV wrestling. Right. So we get going into it, uh, Kevin has to come to me and tell me, well, you can't direct the show anymore uh, because you don't have the MTV style. I think that was the quote. Well, I think, I think the credits, too. It was like they want an actual non-wrestling, yeah. you know. Although I, too, had an Emmy Award, but mine is regional. Right. Of I course. didn't have a national Emmy. So at any rate, 
we get into the thing, and I watched this guy, and he had an AD with him, assistant director, and she was, just like Kevin said, writing down as if it were a dance. This is going this way, step one, step two, step three. And I stood next to him just saying, hey, man, it's not going to happen. Kevin's like, it's not going to happen. We get into the truck. They actually gave me... I think they wanted me to produce the announcers first. So I was the guy who was amping up Smiley, giving these guys lines, trying to get uh, Zach Wilde to say something that we can use. That was me giving them all the lines. And first thing that really upset me were was the producer, who I think was Roberto Kevin, mm-hmm. I think. Roberto uh, who? Uh, Cardenas. Is that somebody that we need to know who he that is? He was an executive is? producer on the show. Okay. Who we ended up becoming friends, he and I, later. But there, he was like my arch enemy because he was <laughs> making fun of wrestling throughout everything. And I was so upset. But So I was producing them be sitting behind the director. And literally 30 seconds, I think, into the first match, the, the book went to the side. It wasn't the Academy Awards anymore. And he started asking me to his technical director, Standby 2, it would sit there for half a second. And then he was like, hey, Dave, how about that shot? So you were so directing... So I was directing the show from yeah. behind him. Through him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for for reals. And then, man, it was difficult. And then, like, when it came to Smiley and you guys... I was being as animated as I can be to get them into it. And then in the truck, MTV people were there, and they're like, hey, man, why don't you calm down? (laughs) Like, why don't you you relax? Like, you're getting a little too excited. Was that the beginning of your health problems, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Could have been. But, yeah, it was was tough. It was a real tough shoot for a wrestling... TV guy and being really, in that environment. really not pleasant on the ego either. No, not at all. I mean, we all have one. So yeah, I mean, no, it geez. wasn't It wasn't at all. I was sitting there too, and Kevin, you know, Kevin and I met because I came out of UPW with Rick right. Bassman into directing the XPW show, yeah. and so Kevin was like, yeah, this." we were doing more traditional TV wrestling with XPW, and I remember being in a meeting with some MTV people, and I'm pretty sure I said this, uh, I was like, well, how many wrestling matches have you produced? Like, how many wrestling TVs have you done? How many times at center stage did you get spit on? I just, like, <laughs> I just know this. Shade. I just know this. When they, ran, when they ran that by me that they wanted me there at that time to go to my matches, my, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember my exact words, but they were something <laughs> like this. If you think I'm going to get in there and get hurt... Going over my match because you don't know how to effing shoot wrestling. Yeah. You're out of your GD mind. Yeah, and that was that was all there was for to sure, it. for yeah. sure. And I was I was awful in how I how I handled it, but I was I think I was correct. Yeah, I yeah, would, I would right. agree with you're that. Right. And like my other jobs, there were many other than flash paper and, and everything else. But from a talent standpoint, I acted as an agent in talent relations, right. and since I knew a lot of the. The established talent. I didn't know a lot of the newer guys, and I got to know. But there is that trust factor there too. It's like, oh, this is a wrestling guy. Sure, we can trust what he has to say versus this network guy. Hey, how about this? That's how they. That's how they were. They wanted things done uh, back then. You know, everyone go over their matches. How funny is it? That's how they do in WWE right. now. now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, full circle. Yep. What were some of the positives and negatives of shooting it like a TV show instead of like a wrestling show? Well, I think the positive was that we could have done something really special and really different. Um, And it could have, I mean, look, part of my pitch to MTV from the get-go was 
you have a brand here that you can do more with than you can with any of your other shows. You're not going to take the hills out on the road for an arena tour. You're not going to sell, you know, tons of merchandise and T-shirts and, uh, you know, DVDs. And you're not going to, you know, build a brand outside of the network. Um, but that was never really embraced. You know, it, today you see more things like this, like the whole Viacom and uh, Bellator relationship. You know, that's kind of what I had pitched to them back then. But it never went past the television executives at MTV to the Viacom level. Um, and so the potential was there for that to happen. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, it was, we had a much bigger budget. We had uh, much nicer things for our, for our wrestlers and for our staff. Um, but I think that, you know, it would have been nice if there was a, little, a mix that was a little bit more towards the traditional pro wrestling side. Did we, um, did we have, Kevin, do you remember, uh, I want to say we had a video game idea lined up, yes? I think so. Sorry, I'm going to have to move real quick, guys. <laughs> Damn it, Kevin. Go, I know. Go ahead. Keep talking. I'm with you. <laughs> no, was, was that the case, though? We had, we had a video. Like, they, there were some people in MTV that were looking to the future, or, or, is this, or was this a big vision uh, thing that you guys were pitching to them uh, for season two and MTV, or video game and all that? I seem to remember that, but, but vaguely. Uh, you know, we, we always thought that that was going to be part of it. I mean, you got to remember, like, uh, you know, Houston had done multiple video games with Backyard Wrestling That's and we had relationships, thinking. you know, all over the place. And so, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that that was something that definitely, you know, was a possibility. And we had wanted to do all this stuff, uh, um, you know, and so unfortunately it never you know one of the things that i learned was you know when you're pitching a television show when it comes to tv ratings you know it's not going to help these executives there's merchandising and it's not going to help them if there's the touring you know to them it was you know everything that that was on the screen and getting them ratings and so everything else kind of fell on deaf ears this is, by the way, typical Kevin. He's always on the go doing some sort of work. So go figure, like during the podcast here, he's moving around <laughs> with a laptop in an office. You know, you know what I, you know what just rem- I, I just thought of, and um, I'm trying to figure out what the big deal was. How, why did TNA pull Terry Taylor? That he was, wasn't even an on-camera that, guy. That was. There was like an office thing, and if you remember, there was also a Bill Barron's thing going on too with talent, uh, representing talent. And I think it was because uh, I was really big on bringing Terry in. Right. And <clears throat> should I should we explain? I just kind of half-assed. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. There. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Terry Taylor was brought in for what? Terry Taylor was going to be one of the producers backstage along with uh, Vampiro and Mark Keenan slash Cody Michaels. Uh, he was there for the pilot to help write and produce and be an agent. I think what happened was at first. Nobody really thought this was going to be a thing. You know, there was no way that, that Wrestling Society X was going to be this, this big thing. And so they, TNA had given him permission to go and do the pilot taping. But between the time that they gave him permission and things started to build and we were actually there to do the pilot taping, it became pretty well known that MTV was actually doing a wrestling pilot. This wasn't just some rumor. And they basically called him and said, you, you got to come back. You know, we, we're not yeah. giving you permission. We're reneging our permission right. to, uh, to, to be part of this. And so 
off he went. Yeah, he had to do what he had to do. Yeah, yeah, of sure. course. Yeah, and there there was no heat on him on right. on our end. It sucked, you know. But it did uh, suck because you know. he was, he was a great guy to have behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Yep, this one of the best guys in the industry you could have for sure. So and and uh, and one of the best, like one of my favorite people these days. <laughs> Mine too. too. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Terry Taylor. Gotta love him. <laughs> what other wrestlers? Like I've heard a rumor that it was supposed to be. Uh, Pac or Adrian Neville instead of M Dog as Teddy Hart's partner, but you guys couldn't get his visa. Is no, we had the visa. Yeah, we yeah. we ha- so we you know going back to this was a television show and not just some indie wrestling project. Everybody who was not a U.S. citizen had to have a work visa. Um, the Dragon Gate guys had a work visa. There was drama with Vamp because he's a oh, Canadian I remember. citizen. We were we weren't sure we weren't sure if he was even going to make it to the pilot, right? Yeah, he literally, the day before the pilot, he had been in L.A. for a week. He had to fly back to Mexico, go to the consulate, get back on a plane, fly back to L.A. He literally walked on the set as the pilot was starting. (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, But with um, what happened with with Pac, uh, Neville, uh, was we got him the, the, the visa, paid for it. It was a good seven-year visa or whatever it was but he had to get to where the consulate was in another city far from where he lived and literally the timing worked out to where he was going to end up because of i don't remember because of a weekend or holiday or whatever uh he was going to get the the visa in his hand one day too late to make it on the plane to come out to shoot the series so uh houston uh the owner of big vision and the executive producer of the show had Uh, a long relationship with Matt Cross that ended up going kind of south because of some of the backyard wrestling video game stuff. And so that was part of the reason he wasn't originally part of the show. And we got stuck at the last minute, and Houston said to me, do you want to call Matt? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to call Matt um, and have him be part of the show. So I called Matt. I said, what are you doing? I said, can you be on a plane in the next 24 hours to come out to L.A. and be part of this? And he replaced uh, he replaced the the now Neville. I'm hey, should we tell everyone what Matt's doing now? <laughs> well, I think they they know. Uh, but yeah, so Matt Matt is another uh, WSX alumni who made their way to uh, Lucha Underground. Get out of town. <laughs> 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 what, what, no, that, well, but the thing is, in, in 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 I don't know. I don't think defense is the word. But uh, if you look at actually the original casting of Lucha Underground. A lot of the wrestlers who were part of the Tough Enough season that the producers of Lucha Underground produced, um, Ivelisse, Matt, uh, and there was, I think, one or Marty two others. Marty was that? the Moth. Marty the Moth. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they ended up in Lucha Underground because they had been part of Tough Enough and because the producers liked working with them there. So that was not directly related to, uh, to Wrestling Society yet. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of the other names that were either going to be brought in for season two? Oh, man, there was such a raw. So we, we actually at the last minute tried getting Generico, Sami Zayn, uh, in for season one. But Canadian needed a visa, didn't have time to pull that off at the last minute. Um, and there was a lot of guys coming out of the New Japan Dojo in L.A., where Marquez was working, uh, who were going to be part of season two. Guys known pretty well today, like Fergal Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor. Uh, I was going to bring in Nigel McGuinness. I was going to be bringing in... uh, So Colt Cabana was originally (laughs) never supposed to be Matt Classic. No. Uh, Cabana was going to be brought in season two to basically... So there's a storyline arc where Lizzie Valentine, Matt Seidel's girlfriend, was getting these letters uh, from a secret admirer. Seidel accused 
me. X Pac of, of <laughs> being the person, but uh, I don't remember the exact line, but he had a wonderful line uh, saying that he was in no way, shape, or form the person and that Matt could keep his girl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so it was going to turn out that it was his fraternity brother, Colt Cabana, who was behind this. And then uh, Roderick Strong, I uh, had planned on bringing in to, to be kind of Colt's backup. Um, so there was a lot of other great talent that we were looking at bringing in if if the show continued. Yeah, but like, I love the Matt Classic gimmick. That that's yeah. one it of turned my out favorites. great. It's, it's incredible. And then yeah. hey, Scorpio, didn't you wrestle Matt Classic? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought so, and I loved that match. You guys had a great match. That character it, it, is it. It was like especially for the time, you know, it was so unique and different, you know, and and he he really lived it up and played it so well that it just worked. And it's yeah. really cool to see that. So first, so when he was in OVW after that, he actually gave me a call. And he was like, hey, uh, they want me to try out the Matt Classic character here. You know, are you cool with that? And I was like, dude, whatever it's going to take to get you, you know, on the main roster. I don't, you know, you have my complete blessing. Go ahead and run with it. And uh, uh, just, I think he had done it once or twice in, in, in OVW. And then he still does it from time to time on the indies. And the character not only lives on in Lucha Vavoom, but in Lucha Vavoom, they even made a mini Matt classic to team with him sometimes. Excellent. <laughs> you know, not to get off subject here, but just shout out to Colt Cabana, one of the true, like, one of my favorite talents um, in wrestling. And I, I like to, I'd like to say that Colt Cabana is the Charlie Chaplin slash Buster Keaton of professional wrestling. <laughs> nice. Yes, I think that's good. a good way of putting yeah. it. A reference that's Marquez good. can like. Yeah. Uh, that's... Well, and I think, too, just, I mean, Colt, I have so much respect for Colt because he is like the epitome of do-it-yourself. I mean, the things that he's created for himself – from the merchandising and then helping to launch, you know, pro wrestling tees. Makes and, his own gear. And, and, and yeah, I mean, he he has the, the really the the innovator in pro wrestling podcast, the first one to really go out there and do it. I mean, just so much respect. I, it, it kills me, especially you know, on online and the internet where you see people, whether it's wrestlers or fans or people who want to be part of the business or want to you know make improvements to their careers, who just sit there and complain about it and never actually go out and take action to make shit happen for themselves. And Cabana, you know, one of the one of the guys, everybody sitting in, in that room, uh, really, you know, people who go out there and just work hard to make stuff happen for themselves and for others. And so I have so much respect for him for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Scorpio, what was your favorite match, WSX? And don't Ooh. say mine. Because... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the match where you broke my other yeah. award? Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting to uh, send you a bill for that. Like, that's uh, not cool. Ah, my favorite match. Uh, honestly, the match with you was one of my favorites. You were the first uh, star I ever got to work in wrestling. Jeez. You know, so that was it's like so a nice really, <laughs> and you know the thing <laughs> about it too. <laughs> not to not to blow smoke, but like uh, you know, I was always a big fan of yours because you were the smaller, athletic guy, and that's you know, guys like myself always pattern ourselves after that. And you know, in entertainment, they always say never meet your heroes because you're going to be let down. But with you, I wasn't. You were actually super cool and willing to do anything, you know. And I remember you. One thing that stood out about that match is you actually wanted to do more than the directors wanted you to do. Yes. Like you wanted me to have more offense yes. than they wanted you to. Yeah, because I'm I'm just all, I've always been, and this goes back to when the squash, like a, an enhancement match, was just a, a squash, and it was just you know uh, guys going out there and just 
just chopping meat, and mm. that's not entertaining to me, you know. And when you're in there with somebody with talent like like yourself, it just I, I just it's just such a waste. And and when I my my matches, it's the the number one thing is they have to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that was and that was where my thinking was of that. And just you're, it's an old saying in wrestling, but you're only as good as the guy you beat. And if you're no good, then you know what the hell was the point of me beating you? You you, you really know? were one of those guys uh, that was the pivotal time in wrestling that was the transition from the jobber era to the stars always going against each That's other. Right. When you went over to as the L kid. And then you and you kind of broke that trend. You were one of the guys. Yeah, he, he paved the way, really, because if you look at the business now, it's a lot smaller and more athletic than it used to be. Mm. Oh yeah. And a, a guy like myself would never get a chance, you know, forever ago. I mean, even even when I first got in, you know, you would hear the WWE. It was like if you weren't on, if you were under six four two fifty, they don't even want to look at you. And nowadays, you look at guys, and they're like almost all our size. And <laughs> this is where it started. So, well, I mean, nod to the cap. I remember watching <laughs> Global, and I remember, man, this Lightning Kid, it's just so yeah. different. All right, guys. <laughs> we have to say it, man. We have to say it. This isn't an everybody. <laughs> and of course, yeah, Gene Hardlob chat. Put, put, put over Pac. Uh, oh, come on, you guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll use this point to say that. Yeah, I was t- I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, had it gone on to a second season, I definitely would have, you know, probably asked you to participate more as a producer in the producer role because, I mean, it, like you said, cup of coffee in uh, in XPW. And so you and I you know, knew each other and we had worked together slightly. But I, you know, until I, I know, always, until I know I, showed the Pittsburgh house show. Well, yeah. And, and then lost the XPW TV title somewhere. And, and we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> chaos, chaos is still very upset that you never got it back. Um, but, you know, uh, I consider you one of the most underrated minds in, in wrestling. I think because of your public persona and because of, you know, who you were and how brash you were and, and pe- you know, the people you hung out with, I think, you know, nobody ever really thought about you for your wrestling mind. And, you know, the conversations that we'd have and the little things that you would add or the things that you would question or or pepper in, you know, this might make the match better if this, or why don't you guys do this instead, really added to, you know, a lot of the matches in season one. And so had we moved forward, I think that, uh, you know, I, I would have asked you to join us, uh, you know, more behind the scenes as well. And, uh, and, and hopefully also to help try to, you know, elevate elevate the younger talent as opposed to just going out there and beating them. You know, because I was talk we were talking, because we had Matt Matt Seidel on right before, uh, right before everyone else came on. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were talking about the segment I did where I beat him up backstage with, you know, Lizzie oh, Valentine there. And I love that. I hadn't seen it until the other day. I, I never got a chance to see that ever, even after we did it. But, um... I was hoping that in season two I would have had a chance to work with Matt Seidel and even put him over. Yeah. You know, so that's what I was hoping. You know, and a lot of people go, oh, yeah, right, you were really hoping (laughs) you were going to go out there and put someone over. But I love elevating talent, Kevin. Well, and I think the thing was, I mean, and I remember a specific specific match that we had – and, and, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily with you about, again, going over, not going over, but everything should make sense. And yes. if this person's going over, then let's do it this way and have it make sense this way. Or if this person's going over and it wasn't just about the, you know, kind of here and now of the moment. But, you know, one thing I think that W uh, that WSX 
doesn't necessarily get credit for. Not that people don't you know deny it, but if you really look at WSX more than anything else at the time, and more a lot than even like WWE or TNA today, every character was a defined specific character. Every tag team had its gimmick that made them a team. And you know the way that I wrote the season. <laughs> Uh, is the way that I always write wrestling. It's like I wrote the season finale first, and then we worked backwards. How are we going to tell the stories that we're trying to tell? And so, you know, we'd sit down sometimes, and you would say, you know, okay, well, wh- where is this going? And then let's figure out how to kind of uh, make that even better. Um, and so, those types of things, I, I think, were you know, were, were great to have you know that experience there. Yeah. Hey, is there anything that we're that we're not that we haven't touched on? Because I mean, we're getting close to Piranha's dying. Here. Yeah, let's and talk about I, I that. Just, Jimbo, Jimbo, do you, do you have any more? Jimbo's had some good questions. I mean, I, re- I want to know, because yeah. in the extras, in the commentary, it says that when they were asking for your resume. Scor- sc- yeah, I'm talking to Scorpio okay. Scott. When they're asking for your resume, you're like, by the way, I was voted most likely to succeed in my, <laughs> to succeed in my high school. So that was the legit thing you that, put on your resume. That's legitimately how I got the gimmick. Uh, I think it was Kevin. <laughs> yeah. was he, he emailed all of us because they were going to do profiles or whatever on us. And they said, just list where you trained, how long you've been wrestling, and your accomplishments. So I'm doing this. Do, you know, I trained here and did this. And, did this, and at the bottom, I was just like, yeah, and I was most likely to succeed. Succeeded Montclair High and the best athlete and just listing all the this dumb stuff which I wasn't but um, and next thing I know I've got I show up and I got these and, and they're like this is your gimmick now and I was like sweet I like it spared no expense on this <laughs> <laughs> it lasted the 10 years too man. big MTV budget this is really I guess because I took all the money right the local trophy shop I think I, I still have the broken pieces the trophy from shop where we always got our wrestling trophies from and awards from and uh, mm-hmm. you know had had them made it you know, no expense spent <laughs> Hey, Kevin, uh, what do you think the the future holds in store for WSX? Anything? Well, I mean, look, like I said, I would love at, at minimum for these uncut tapes to surface one day. Uh, I think that people would see a, a very different version of Wrestling Society X. Um, and so at minimum, I hope that that can happen. Uh, because I think that, like I said, the roster that we had, the matches that we had, I'd like people to see that. Um, you know, people have been asking about a reunion show. Yeah, man. Let's I, do it. I would love I would love to, you know, maybe down the road be able to do some sort of reunion show. Obviously, some people aren't available at this point, but there are plenty of talents that are available. You'd be um, surprised on who might something. you'd be surprised on who might be available if we asked the right people. <laughs> oh, hey, you know. So hey. I mean, hey, you've got friends in high places. Hi. Maybe you can do it on the network. You know? I have so, friends uh, in <laughs> high places. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I. I you know, we're now at 10 years out. And so early on, there was the fact that, you know, we didn't immediately rush into trying to sell Wrestling Society X somewhere else after MTV canceled it because MTV co-owned it at that point. And um, anything we did, they would have to be 50% partners in. So it didn't make sense to take a brand, go sell it to another network and have to immediately turn half the money over to MTV. Now we're 10 years out. Things are a little bit different. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see. I still think, you know, what we tried to do in terms of being an alternative to what WWE was doing, uh, something a little bit more, uh, I hate using the word extreme, but not even about the explosion, but something more athletic, something where, look, we hear it all the time right now. 
that, you know, even you, you see all these guys that go to WWE and they have to adapt to the WWE style. And I'm not saying that every match out there should be this crazy, no selling, all high spots type of match. But there is a, a, a balance between what we were and what WWE is doing today that I don't think is being served right now in the wrestling, you know, uh, content space. And so I'd love to, you know, obviously well, have another shot. at, at being, Yeah, let's serve them it. up a little something. I don't know when it, when it could happen, but I mean, come <laughs> on, you would think it has to happen. Let's go at least once, right? Yeah. So we'll, they we'll need they we need do. their rematch anyway. Come on, I'm ready. They fought once. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Jimbo, yeah. help me out here with you know follow us on all the social so, media and all that crap. Uh, well, before we get into that. I want to hear Teddy Hart stories. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Because yeah, like, I'm sure everyone at this table has yeah. a good Teddy Hart story. Because even I do. Because remember, hey, I'll start. I'll start. Do you remember when uh, Teddy got everything stirred up between me, Vamp and I? I don't remember I, that. But no, because apparently, apparently Vamp had this talent meeting and I wasn't there because right. I was late. That's right. That's oh, right. That's yeah. right. And, I and, and I guess Vamp. Apologized for me. I want to apologize for Sean Waltman. Yeah, do you remember? And that. when I and Teddy, of course, Teddy came right and told me everything. <laughs> and he, you know, I'm sure he, I'm sure he, you know, spiced this, threw a little salt and pepper on the story too. Always for Teddy. And so, oh my God, I was hot. I went, I pulled Vamp in the office. I'm like, don't you ever apologize? Oh my God, I was hot. <laughs> and you know, in 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 Vamp's defense, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I was just probably the most difficult person in the world to deal with at that point. Well, we couldn't point. get you out of hotel rooms. Well, I mean, it's just because I knew I could get away with it, you know? I knew, I, at least I, I was pretty sure, anyway. You told me to F <laughs> off once. Oh, I'm sure uh, I did. I mean, while we were directing you yeah. to do this program. I don't think you were my favorite person at the time. No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> You're one of them now, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I don't even know where I was going with all that. Just just Teddy Hart story. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Hart. Yeah. Oh, the Teddy Hart story. Yeah, so Teddy just is a master at stirring shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Teddy's was my favorite moments with him were always at talent meetings. I remember there was a substance abuse meeting, like, please don't. Um, and the first person to stand up and say who was the distributor was Teddy. Right. Like, uh, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. MTV. Yeah, that was yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it's all me. That's right. That's uh, right. Between walking, I remember walking to their go position once oh, and giving you're a... You're going to tell my story. Oh, well, then I'll stop. Go ahead. I, I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, so so Teddy always had people with him. Okay. Like, he always has, you know, this guy or that girl. Or whatever, who's you know his roadie sidekick right. dealer, whatever fashion model uh, for his latest clothing. And, and Teddy's music is playing, and he's got to go through the curtain, and his music <laughs> is playing, and he starts to go, and he turns around and he runs back to the guy and he tells the guy, "Sparkle, sparkle me." me. And that, the guy, uh, that's what I was gonna say. On Teddy. <laughs> he's that throwing glitter on him. <laughs> oh, wow. Teddy, Teddy is 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 the is like Hansel from 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 Zoolander. What was his name? Like he's so hot right now. <laughs> like, that's who he was. That's who he was, right? Sparkle me, sparkle me. Yeah, it was. I just remember, and I was the reason I was going to say that is because I was with them, and this guy is like, I love that. Like that the Pope, the, I love that. He has, like, yeah. the sparkle was there and ready. Oh, he had it on deck. Was, yeah, right? totally was, and so was a seamstress. Like he always had someone with like a needle to give him because sure. he made his own gear and stuff. Yes. So he was always and he always wore the gear twenty four seven. He did. Even if he wasn't time. wrestling. Him. He all did. The time. He was shirtless. If we were at the club everywhere. afterwards, he was wearing his gear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
It, it, there were days during the week he came into Big Vision, just like a Wednesday afternoon, no wrestling ties or shows, and he would be wearing all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and now he trains cats. Oh, don't get me started and, and breeds. on breeds. Yeah. I'm just saying. I used to tell him, stay away from my cat. Yeah, just no, saying. Anyways, we're getting off into the weeds. So, <laughs> Kevin, tell us what you got going on now. I know you're doing uh, the Mass well, Republic thing. Yeah, well, so first, if you, we just started some social media for Wrestling Society X. Kind of, you know, images, videos, memories of the last, you know, uh, of 10 years ago. So you can follow that on Rest Society X, W-R-E-S Society X uh, on Twitter and on Wrestling Society X on Instagram. And we just uh, put up some limited edition shirts at, at Pro Wrestling Tees, so you can check that out. But then, yeah, my, my time in wrestling these days now is spent um, on a company that I'm a partner in called Mass Republic. And we focus in the Lucha Libre space, doing everything from you know, live events and pay-per-views, uh, merchandising, working with a lot of the luchadors from Mysterio Jr., Conan, um, Pentagon, or Penta, El Cerro Miedo, Phoenix, etc., on their... Um, intellectual property and merchandising for them, things like that. So you can follow at Mask Republic or go to MaskRepublic.com for more on that stuff. Awesome. Cool. Dave, I know you have a seminar coming up where you're going to teach some behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, I think Santino it's Brothers. 20th. I want to say at Santino Brothers. Uh, this is my second time there. They're asking me to come in and teach, um, educate people on how to work behind the scenes. And... Uh, and I really hope it penetrates. I hope people understand that it's more than just sending a hey bro instant message to a promoter, you know, <laughs> get me booked because I have kick pads. Um, so uh, <laughs> I have them though. You have to have followers, you have to have followers on Twitter too. Yeah. Along yeah. with your kick you pads. You have a blue check mark? For yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> but anyhow, that's what I hope to teach them, or at least spiel of how to be professional in professional wrestling. Very cool. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at CWFH Marquez, M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z, or my company uh, at CWF Hollywood. Actually, that's suspended right now, so if you people could <laughs> let Twitter know that you'd like to maybe see what we're doing, I have no idea why it's suspended, but it's suspended and has been for a little while now. But um, uh, they can get championship wrestling from Hollywood you and coast my, to coast. You, championship wrestling from Hollywood and Milo got suspended from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> But no, you can catch us coast to coast uh, on television. Just go to hollywoodwrestling.com slash television and check the listings to see if it's available in your area. Or Fight TV. You can, every Sunday, 7 right. Eastern, uh, it's a brand new show. Where I think we're the only ones really providing a weekly and Dave, show. How how many markets are you on across the country with Championship Wrestling I with Hollywood? I think it's upwards of 90, 92 TV markets, That's including New York City, uh, here in Los Angeles, wow. Chicago, Philadelphia, nice. Dallas. Awesome. Scorpio Sky is a big presence on the show. Uh, Chris Kloss is also an alumnist. He uh, was a commentator once on the program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Chris, what do you got going on? Well, actually, um, I've been doing play-by-play, -play, not just for wrestling, pro, for semi-pro basketball. And uh, we, we do sh uh, game shows. We do games <laughs> up at the uh, Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. And this, these are guys that, you know, uh, D-League guys. Uh, didn't quite make it out of college and aren't quite... Pros are still looking at them. So we get scouts come to the show uh, games. Uh, but I am doing pro wrestling up in Oregon for West Coast Wrestling Connection with Christy Olson, working with her. Our co-host. Uh, yeah, and, and actually... Uh, Dave, you last time we worked together was when I was shooting a pilot 
with the late Rowdy Piper. Oh, that's right. That was that was actually two weeks before he passed yeah, away. That's right. I so, forgot about that. That's right. So that was uh, and Point po- Wainimi. Yeah, one of your yep. shows. Yep, and, yep. Uh, so anyway, this was, was that for uh, classic his YouTube. No, no this, this, this is for is a whole new promotion that they were trying to start. That we're that we're still the the Irons still st- trying to start. Still trying to start. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful and excited to be working with Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, him and I, if this thing is a go, it's going to be Classic Wrestling Revolution, run by Revolution Sports out in Las Vegas. That's really all I can say about that right now because we don't know uh, too much. But I actually just met Jake for the first time. Uh, he did a show right here in Burbank, Flappers. He did his one-man show a couple weeks ago. Oh, so it was incredible. Awesome it was awesome. Nice. It was just him getting on stage for about two hours, talking about the ups and downs in his life and, of course, all the great road stories. And it's just a wonderful show. So he's on tour right now doing this. And he's, you know, you guys seen the resurrection of Jake the St. Roberts. He's doing awesome. His spirits are high. And it's just it's really cool. And that's the first time I'd met him. So it was an honor to meet him. But really cool just to see him doing great. You know, I think it's cool, cool that, you get to, that you get to meet him when he's on the upswing in his life yeah. and yeah. not while he was down in the dumps. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited and, and hopeful that we're going to be able to work together like like I did with Piper with you. So, yep, 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 yep. Where can they find you on Twitter, Chris? Uh, it's, uh, go to at the Chris Kloss and then uh, Chris Kloss on Facebook. Nice. Yeah. Sky, you're always busy. Ah, trying. Uh, well, um, I got away from wrestling for a couple of years. I did some mixed martial arts, and that went very well. But now it's wrestling all the time, if I can now. Um, Full time, uh, I just launched my own website. Uh, it's in the infancy. Uh, it covers wrestling, sports, all kinds of entertainment. It's ScorpioSky.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at ScorpioSky. And uh, just trying to... Uh, Get out there. I'm working for Dave uh, pretty fluently, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and hopefully, you know, I can end up in the big time with WWE. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. I think I'm the best performer I've ever been right now, and uh, I still have room before I hit my ceiling, I think. So we'll see what happens. For sure. You're one of those guys I always wonder, how come Scorpio Sky's not in the WWE? What the (laughs) hell's going on? What's going on with that? We'll ask you some other time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll find out. We'll get to the bottom of this. Anyways. Well, please like us on iTunes. uh, Follow us on Twitter. Follow Xbox on Twitter, at TheRealXbox. Give us five stars. Rate, like, and subscribe. And Sean? Oh, you want me to take us out? Yeah. Uh, But first, hey, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us today about all this, man. No problem. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And it was good to catch up with everybody. Yeah, man. Hopefully I'll see you soon. I guess I'll have to come down your way, though. Up. My way. Or up. Oh, I thought you were in San Diego. My bad. All right. We're out of here. See you next week on X-Pac 12360. (laughs) Thank you. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olson, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV network. Buzz you later!